This podcast is brought to you by GuestLogix, the leading global provider of ancillary-focused merchandising, payment, and business intelligence technology to the airline industry. To learn how GuestLogix can elevate your ancillary revenue potential, visit www.guestlogix.com. Seth, do you know what today is? Well, I do because you told me. It's, it's back to the future day. That's right. October 21, 2015. That's the day in the famous movie that Marty McFly and Doc Brown left 1985 and went back to the future. Now, of course, in the movie, they were amazed at the technological advancements available in 2015, hoverboards and flying cars and whatnot. And that got me thinking, if Marty McFly stepped out of a DeLorean today, what would amaze him? I could show him an iPhone and a flat screen TV, but if I really wanted to freak him out, I'd show him Delta's third quarter earnings report. <laughs> Imagine an airline making almost $1.4 billion in a single quarter. That is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's a record. Uh, most any airline has ever made in one quarter. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly. And I'm Seth Kaplan, Managing Partner of Airline Weekly. We're going to talk some more about Delta's present and future. Plus, American Airlines slid safely into home, and JetBlue is seeing revenue increases. It's all coming up right now on the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. It's earnings season again as airlines have been reporting third quarter results. And leading the way was Delta, not only because they reported first, but also because they had superlative results. We detailed it pretty well in Airline Weekly, but basically the story was again that their savings on fuel outpaced softening revenue. Also, their fuel hedges are unwinding, so they are more and more realizing the advantages of cheap fuel. Did anything surprise you in this report? Not really. You know, they, they had guided a very good quarter. And, and in fact, they, they did a bit better than, than everybody thought. Uh, they, they made some comments that, that raised eyebrows. You know, one of them, uh, you know, I, I know you mentioned you want to talk about this some more in a few minutes, but uh, uh, you know, used aircraft. Delta is always looking for used aircraft. And for years, they've been finding deals on narrow bodies in, in particular. But they said that wide bodies are, are suddenly becoming a lot more affordable. Uh, you know, they claim that, uh, you know, there are just too many of them out. There is a surplus and that the market is realizing that and, and that uh, they can all of a sudden get their hands on some aircraft that, you know, maybe not a lot of airlines around the world are interested in, but that they are very interested in. They mentioned, uh, you know, some older 777-200s or A330-200s. Now, uh, you know, grain of salt, uh, you know, Delta, of, of course, some perhaps wishful thinking when they talk about aircraft values declining, they want them to decline, uh, you know, just in the same way that aircraft manufacturers, uh, you know, are always going to talk rather bullishly about aircraft values. So, uh, you know, Delta sort of talking very pessimistically about aircraft values, which would, of course, be optimistic for them. The aircraft manufacturers always doing the opposite. And, you know, perhaps the the, the reality lies somewhere in between. But, you know, the market believed what they said enough to drive down Boeing and Airbus shares, uh, at least for a bit. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but uh, just for a quick review, why are airlines seeing revenue declines? Well, not, not to disappoint you with a very short answer, and I'm not being lazy by doing this, but 
supply and demand economics. I mean, they're, they're just putting more seats into the marketplace uh, than the market can absorb without seeing uh, fair declines. You just supply growth outstripping demand growth. Right. Cheaper fuel means airlines will add more capacity and prices will decline. But Delta is not really adding seats, is it? In Q4, they are going to hold capacity flat with not much growth expected in 2016. Is that smart? Well, it's smart if if the main goal is to prop up unit revenues, you know, to stop these unit revenue declines. Delta conceded in their call that an earlier goal that they had to, you know, basically flatten out the unit revenue declines by the end of the year, eh, probably not going to happen. So they're trying to get their hands around that because they know at some point, uh, you know, this whole as we've called it before, you know, race to the bottom where the falling fuel prices, the good the good part, are, are winning the race against the falling unit revenues, the falling air fares. That's the bad part. Um, the, at some point, that's going to stop. Uh, you know, Delta still has somewhat of a tailhand, uh, tailwind rather from, uh, you know, as you mentioned, unwinding hedges. So they, you know, they end up paying less for fuel uh, each quarter for a little while here, even if fuel prices, spot fuel prices don't really decline. But that's going to end. Um, and, and, and so at, at some point, the revenue environment, the fair environment is going to have to stabilize. And so, uh, you know, they're trying to, from their perspective, do their part by stopping the capacity growth, even though that does pressure unit costs, because, you know, the benefit of growing on the cost side is that you grow down your cost, you get economies of scale. So, uh, you know, if you stop growing, you're going to have some unit cost pressure. But right now, uh, you know, they're more concerned about the unit revenue pressure. You talked about Delta's reluctance to buy new aircraft, and that is looking fairly shrewd at the moment with oil prices down. My question is, do we see other airlines following suit? Well, we do to, to varying degrees. Uh, you know, United has, has certainly taken rather much the same approach. Southwest has has gone out and bought some used 737-700s aircraft that you know not particularly loved by a lot of airlines, but that Southwest loves. Uh, you know, Southwest, an airline that hadn't really traditionally spent a lot of time looking in the used aircraft market, and others around the world to varying degrees. Although this is more a U.S. phenomenon than than in other parts of the world. Uh, you know, American. Uh, among the U.S. carriers, uh, kind of the exception, uh, at least among those giant carriers, uh, but that you know was its prior management team had committed to buy uh, hundreds of of uh, narrow bodies and a lot of wide bodies as well. So not necessarily uh, you know a ph- philosophical decision on the part of the current management team, um, but one that you know hey they're they're uh, they're you know obviously doing very well uh, deploying the aircraft as they come in, but you know they're going to have a much younger fleet. Um, and yeah, airlines everywhere sort of doing the same math that Delta is doing and saying, hey, sure, everybody likes a new aircraft, um, but will it pay off? And 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 different kinds of airlines are going to come to different conclusions. You know, obviously, if fuel prices were to spike tomorrow, then the the relative balance would shift again, and you know, the old aircraft would become once again more unloved, and and, and new aircraft would look more interesting. And you know, particularly, of course, the airlines that got the better deals on the new aircraft at other points in time that aren't necessarily available at this moment uh, are happy they ordered them. Delta's operations are looking rather revolutionary. They reported only 13 cancellations and 83,000 flights in the third quarter. Have they developed a better mousetrap in terms of operations? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's really remarkable. Um, you know, what can you say about an airline that's that's uh, just running as extraordinarily reliably as they are, at least among giant airlines, you know, giant complex airlines, uh, you know, 100 days this year, they haven't 
canceled a single mainline flight anywhere in the world uh, for an airline that flies to some pretty tricky places. Um, yeah, I mean, they've done it with technology. They've done it with labor. Um, you know, they, they have somewhat of an advantage over, you know, some of their competitors in the fact that they have a, uh, a mostly non-union workforce with the exception of their pilots. So they're able to do some things on the ground where, you know, they pay their people rather well, but they're able to get certain kinds of flexibility that you might not get at, any, at other airlines. But, you know, I mean, that was always the case <laughs> and they weren't and they weren't running uh, an operation like this. So, uh, yeah, de- definitely something where um, it, it's created very much a virtuous cycle because, on both the cost side and the revenue side, uh, you get the benefit. Obviously, uh, you know it's expensive to run a messy operation when you have to you know, reaccommodate passengers and book them hotel rooms and all of that. And then on the revenue side, you know when you're able to go around to uh, passengers, uh, you know, especially your your big corporate travel clients, and say, hey, we are the airline that's most likely to get your people there on time and with their bags. Uh, you know, you know, just just a big revenue benefits there as well. Rather impressive indeed. Lastly, do you think? Delta's new profit record will be broken when American reports this Friday. Um, well, it, it, American will come close. You know, they, they've guided uh, a profit margin a little bit less than what uh, Delta reported, but because American is the bigger airline, the you know the total dollars will will, will come close. Uh, American's doing very very well. Speaking of American, they completed the integration of their reservation system without a hitch, it appears. Yeah, uh, you know, just as impressive. What I said a minute ago about uh, you know, Delta's operations, you, you really have to say the same thing about American. Uh, just, just you know, really, wow. Um, you know, they, they, we talked last week about some of the things that they had done to give themselves a, a, a shot at that happening, you know, at, at completing a migration with um uh, you know, that that would go rather unnoticed, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, but but then to actually go out and do it, um, yeah, I, you know, Delta completed its migration back with the uh, Northwest merger, actually even a little more quickly than American. Um, but uh, you know, but the main thing is to get it right, and and American managed to unify the biggest airline in the world, yeah, without at least any hitches that uh, that were broadly noticed. This week's cover story in Airline Weekly was about JetBlue and how it's actually seen revenue increases. We'd list a number of reasons. One of them was strength in its transcontinental markets, where American United and Virgin America all cut capacity. JetBlue, meanwhile, increased capacity between New York and California by 31%. What we didn't explain was why those carriers cut capacity. Well, partly because JetBlue increased capacity by 31 percent. I mean, it's all related. You know, they're they're, uh, you know, probably looking at the marketplace and, and just seeing better opportunities elsewhere precisely because uh, of, of JetBlue piling into the uh, the transcontinental markets, um, uh, not not just in general, but also with with its its uh, its premium product mint, uh, you know, Virgin America in particular uh, is, is growing a lot in Dallas. Uh Growing a lot, I said. I didn't say growing profitably. They're they're clearly struggling there, but uh, you know they, they needed to fund that growth with something because this year they haven't been growing all that rapidly as an airline. That's going to change next year. But so you know they they sort of just had to pull the capacity from somewhere, and they uh, probably thought that the the least bad place to do that uh, to fund the Dallas growth as well as the upcoming Hawaii growth was by cutting back uh, in, in the transcontinental markets. Now, you are on record as being skeptical about the viability of JetBlue's Mint. This is JetBlue's live flatbed, which comes with a privacy cabin. And we wrote in Airline Weekly that management has downplayed the impact. But do you think Mint is at least impacting revenues on these markets, which appear to be hot right now? 
Well, I mean, look, it's it's in the marketplace. You, you know, it, it's competition. You know, in, in the end, capacity is capacity, and and um, you know, somebody is flying in those seats, and it's somebody who might have otherwise flown with another airline. It, it's um, you know, by all accounts, a very nice product. Um, you know, I mean, JetBlue suffers for. We've written about this in Airline Weekly from you know just just uh, difficulty distributing that product because you know, I mentioned it in a different context a few minutes ago. But the importance of corporate travel contracts and so forth. Uh, you know, a lot of the people who occupy premium cabins are people who work for you know large corporations, for banks, and so forth, uh, which have those relationships with American Delta and United, where. You know, no matter how nice JetBlue's product is, uh, a lot of those people are just going to end up flying those other airlines because of the the corporate contracts, because of the frequent flyer programs. Where, yeah, you know, you might like to fly JetBlue and try out the mint product, but uh, you're trying to requalify for platinum on you know whichever other airline, so you can you know take your dream trip to Europe next year and so forth. So, uh, it, it, what JetBlue is doing is, is difficult. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, but is it having an impact on the other airlines? Absolutely. I mean, anything in the marketplace does in some small way, at least. And, and in, in the case of mint on transcontinental markets, uh, pro- probably more than, more than in a, in a tiny way, at least. As we said at the outset of the show, it's back to the future day. And so I want to ask you, what surprises you the most about how the airline industry has changed since 1985? Yeah, well, I guess partly surprised by maybe some of the things that haven't happened. Uh, You know, in 1985, you had people looking around at uh, the Concorde, you know, and thinking, wow, uh, if, if. If uh, we can get between New York and London that fast now, imagine what it's going to be in 1985. Uh, you know, here we are, 30 years later, and and um, you know, not only has that not happened, but you know, we're, we really don't have supersonic travel at all anymore. It never became really economically viable. So you don't have that sort of thing. You know, some some of uh, maybe some of the luxuries that people would have would have expected or technological advances, um, but. You know, in in the most important ways of all, uh, the industry has has you know perhaps grown beyond anybody's expectations. You know, first of all, let's just talk about safety. Uh, you know, uh, 1985 featured what remains the deadliest month uh, ever for the industry. It was uh, August 1985. The BBC actually had a nice story recently about it. Uh, you know, 720 passengers and crew perished that month uh, you know delta 191 japan airlines flight 123 and others all occurred in that one month jason for perspective 720 passengers and crew in one month last year 2014 was actually a rather bad year by modern uh, standards in terms of of uh, commercial aviation fatalities and we lost 761 people last year uh, you know, a few more people all year uh, than had died in that one terrible month in 1985. Uh, you know, the industry has just become incalculably safer. And don't forget that, you know, that's not even apples to apples comparison because the other important thing that's happened is so many more people fly now. Uh, you know, three times as many more people fly uh, in, in as many people fly in the world now as flew back then. So, you know, in terms of the the rate of, of fatalities, I mean, it, it, it's just exponentially safer now than it was back then. You know, we had a point in the 1990s where, you know, a lot of us thought that it was as safe as it could get. Uh, and it's now even far safer than that. And 
that same fact that I just mentioned, you know, how many people are real fly now, um, you know, that too is, is a really important benefit to the world. Uh, you know, air travel has become democratized. Uh, you know, in, in 1985, you still had really just one giant market that was deregulated. It was the U.S. Uh, so by then, a fair number of people in the U.S. Ha had begun traveling who perhaps couldn't afford to in the past. In most parts of the world, it was still inaccessible to most people. Uh, now, it's, uh, you know, has become very accessible to to uh, to people in the developed world and and in the developing world increasingly accessible. You know, uh, in 1985, Ryanair was founded. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, there you go. You know, obviously, um, a long time before it had the uh, the impact that it would eventually have in terms of democratizing travel. But um, but that started then. You know, Southwest Airlines in the U.S. was was really the only notable low cost carrier in the world in, in any sort of form that we would recognize it today. So uh, in 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 uh, the most important ways of all, the industry has changed maybe beyond anything that we would have imagined, even if, uh, you know, we don't have uh, faster supersonic travel or, or indeed supersonic travel at all anymore for the masses. To be clear, though, technology has improved things a lot. Oh, I mean, immeasurably, you know, uh, yeah, sure. We we don't maybe have a few of the things that we would have dreamed about, like like the uh, ever faster travel. But you know, what I mentioned before about the democratization of travel, I mean, look, that's all related to technology. It's, it's, it's related to the fact that aircraft are far more efficient now than they used to be. So, you know, airlines are spending less on, on fuel than they otherwise would have spent, which in turn means that they can break even with much lower airfares uh, than, than they used to have. You know, what used to require... Four engines now, in most cases, only requires two. Uh, obviously, airframes are lighter and so forth. And technology, not just with the aircraft themselves, but in other air uh, areas of of, uh, of airlines, uh, including on the commercial side, of course. Uh, I mean, you have certain you know, self-service technologies that have just made the industry more productive. Uh, you know, people checking out on mobile devices and kiosks and all that sort of thing that makes the industry less labor-intensive. Obviously, in that case, not a happy story for the airline employees but look things like you know revenue management science i mean in 1985 uh you know the whole idea of revenue management had really just begun a few years earlier at american airlines uh and now every airline in the world uh practices it and so that too helps for example fill aircraft with people who are you know paying roughly what they're what they're willing or able to pay and so, obviously, when you have a rather full aircraft, too, uh, you know, you're able to have lower average fares than you would have had if you had to get all your revenue from just uh, you know, an aircraft that was 50, 60 percent full, as, as often happened in the old days. So absolutely, in, in all kinds of important ways, technology has indeed advanced uh, really probably beyond anything we would have expected back then. All right, Seth, we'll wrap with that. Appreciate it as always. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please do pass it along to your friends and colleagues. Unlike Airline Weekly, the newsletter, our podcast is a free product and we welcome you to spread it around. Ever been in a DeLorean? Not that I can recall. I was in once. I really like the gull wings. I'm surprised that didn't catch on. 